Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And I have my co-host back with me this week. Sydney, what is going on? Not much. I'm super excited to chat with you again. Yes, we have uh, a lot of stuff has happened since we last talked. In a uh, very short period of time, we've been given a plethora of information. Absolutely. I'm, there's so much going on in the world of Keyforge right now. Indeed, indeed. There very much is. So where do you want to start, Sydney? Because, I mean, we got to start somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm a chronological kind of person. So we okay. can uh, we can throw down on the the earliest piece of news that we haven't talked about yet. Okay, let's do it. Awesome. So the uh, article that Ghost Galaxy released on their website, that behold, the philosophy of tournaments is revealed. And they came out with their Keyforge tournament guidelines. And it is chock full of information. Basically, a lot of what the community was looking for before Keyforge celebration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is definitely a lot of stuff in there and we get a updated i guess quick rules set which is really helpful um because i know for new players having the ability to refer to that while you're playing even seasoned players actually not just new players it makes things a lot more convenient a lot more concise and a lot more clear on what you can or can't do in a given time and especially with i think a lot of new players going to be joining the game it's nice to have this readily available and somewhat updated for sure. And I also love, 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 love the new going to time rules. But I think I think there is enough there that we're gonna do a whole episode on that in the future. So we can yes. we can save our our discussion and excitement and uh questions um on that section for for the future. But um before we scroll all the way to the bottom and chat about what everyone is the most excited about. I, I do on the way down, there's a small teeny section um, called tokens, counters, and status cards that I was kind of interested to know that they, in that section, where I would expect them to explicitly ban the use of dice, they don't. They actually say um, they're, they're, you may use third-party components. And so as long as the they are resistant to accidental modification. So bring on your bring on your dice if they're allowed by your TO. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the caveat is it says if it's allowed by a TO. So a TO could on the onset say no, we're not allowing dice in this tournament. So right. it's it's not it's neither here nor there essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But you know, when I when I throw down my my Gangrenot combo at uh, KFC this weekend and I start counting with my uh, D6, well, we'll see what people say. The cool thing is, though, I think that also means that in your in an LGS environment, you can decide as the person running the tournament, which is usually community members, that we're going to be okay with dice here for the simplicity of things. And especially with new players coming on, um, I think maybe allowing that as a means is really great. And then just maybe letting them know this may not be allowed everywhere, but we're going to allow this here today, I think could be a really nice um, moment and inclusive way of having less of a cost barrier, like they can just literally get a deck and have dice to represent certain things. Totally. I didn't even think of that. Like the fact that you can use any tokens means that that's one less preventative barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. It cool. is true. So if we scroll all the way down to the bottom, we get what we've been waiting for, at least what the Alliance aficionados have been waiting for this whole time, the restricted list. 
So before we get into the minutiae of this, and I know that you and I had a discussion midweek about the clarity of what it means, because a lot of people were we're not totally clear on on what exactly this meant the way it is uh, outlined here, but I think we're all getting on the same page slowly but surely. I just wanted to break down the sets and the restricted cards from each set, which I find quite interesting. So Ooh, I like that. The two the two least restricted sets, which I find quite interesting. First off is Dark Tidings, I think is the most least restricted because it has two cards only, and both those cards actually did not appear first in Dark Tidings. They are reprints. The next one is Mass Mutations with two cards. And both of those were first appearances in Mass Mutation. And I found actually that to be the most interesting, that Mass Mutation only had two restricted cards. I don't know about you. Because I think that has the potential to be the most broken in some ways. I absolutely love that you did this breakdown because it didn't even cross my mind. Like I thought that a lot of these were basically leaning towards what the community was outcrying about, you know, like the combos that they found that they knew would go crazy. But the fact that you're breaking it down by set also makes me think like maybe Ghost Galaxy considered the power level of the sets when they picked these cards. That's what I'm wondering because I thought noting the set was relevant since you are restricted to construct a deck within a given set. That's why I kind of wanted to see. The most restricted was Worlds Collide with four. And then... And they also had things that carried on to other. And then following that was uh, Coda with three, and then AOA also with three. But two of the three in AOA are from Coda. Interesting. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that is the breakdown of the restricted set-wise. So MM and DT is the least restricted. I think Dark Tidings being the least restricted makes a lot of sense. And I actually think we could see the greatest uptake in the restricted list coming from Dark Tidings simply because there has been the least amount of information about Dark Tidings in a tournament setting. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like this restricted list will morph and change and update, not not constantly, but to react to the kinds of things that uh, Ghost Galaxy expects to seize in the, this testing phase before 2023. Yes, and I also think that Dark Tidings will not be the most like lean to set in terms of what people are going to choose to play. But I know there's some people out there who are brewing up some some really spicy Dark Tidings decks, and uh, they're just we've no one's really seen them. And I think at Keyforge Celebrations, those are going to come out of the woodwork, and people are going to start appreciating Dark Tidings a little bit differently. I am so excited to see that. I want to be nowhere near there when those games are played. I do not want to be on the other side of the table from any of those decks. <laughs> so, so now let's get into the actual restricted list itself. Um, Sydney, my first thought is, did anything on here surprise you? So not going to lie, Time Traveler did surprise me. I I was like... It took me a little bit to to comprehend why it was here. Um, and also, you know, technically like sh- shadow banning help from future self. Thanks, Ghost Galaxy. But um, the, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's on here really makes me see this list differently. Because most of the cards on this list that have to do uh, – actually, Logos, really. Logos and Martian Generosity, really – have to do with card draw and degenerative card draw, or what could be, I guess, if these were allowed to recur. And so Time Traveler plus 
help from future self with anything in the deck that um, could either recur or kill time traveler. Um, you have a twin bottle missions, you you could recur time traveler, but even a double time traveler, um, that would be crazy. So I can see where their thought process was when they picked it after realizing that it, it wasn't as, you know, fun and benign as um, I thought it was compared to the other cards on this list. Yeah, f- fair enough. One thing we should probably mention is is the way the restricted list works is anything listed here, you can have one of these cards in your deck by name. And then from there, the quantity allowed tells you how many of that singular card you're choosing to have is allowed to be in the deck. So for example, this one I think is the most interesting is lateral shift and ghost form. You can have one of those in your deck, but because they are, you could technically have three in a deck because you could have different houses that have it. And basically the only thing that would restrict you from having it would be if you had a star alliance deck because star alliance can then bring United action and Morpheus into the equation. And those are not allowed. I'm going to throw down my own attempt at describing this because this is kind of what helped me understand how this works is you cannot have multiple you. uh, Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I got this. You cannot have (laughs) more than one of these cards in the same deck together, I guess. So quantity is hard because the quantity of one of these cards is determined by the any number or one per deck. But you are not allowed to have these cards together in your deck. You can only pick one from this list, and then the amount of that one card that you can have is in the second column. So for example, you could not have a Martian Generosity deck with Restranguntis. Even those those cards don't really combo together, you cannot have those together. Right. And I think the like cherry on top is the fact that if you bring an Archon deck to a, an Alliance um, tournament, as in you bring an unaltered deck, you can break this restricted list because you, this restricted list is only applies to decks that are built. And I know there's some people out there who want who think who are calling like, we're going to see someone who wins with a, a Archon deck that is not an Alliance deck. Like, and I, I I both love and hate that. I love it because it just shows the purity of Keyforge, but it also kind of like makes Alliance come into question. And I think it's going to change the way people look at it. So I'm kind of excited and also curious to see how that ends up playing out. Well, on that note, I am super excited for KFC and I'm really interested to see what decks are brought to Alliance from the far side of the room where I am playing my, uh, my Archon standard games. Right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you. I the one thing that I think is interesting on this list is the Morpheus. I did, I did that was one card that was I wasn't even considering and I I get if you can really construct a playability deck how it can be quite gross, but I I still feel that one is the it's the one that really pops out to me when I'm looking at the list, even more so than Time Traveler. Interesting. Because Time Traveler is known to be in a lot of tournament winning decks. That's the reason why I can see it is because there's so many decks that have Time Travelers that are decks that end up winning tournaments. Like you see tons. I think if you go look at the list, there's a lot. But Morpheus, I don't think so as much. I think it's a support card that could allow other cards to loop. And a lot of this restricted list is loop prevention. So, Which makes sense. Right. So like... um. 
I guess Rustring Guntus and Morpheus, although that shouldn't be a problem otherwise, like those two cards together, or um, I guess, yeah, Morpheus is just a a card that without a degenerate card with it doesn't look as scary. Yeah. I mean, I just had someone buy some decks off me and they specifically bought decks off me that had um, Mavericks oh. of, of certain cards in in different houses. I won't, I won't say who it was, but they they are a notable Keyforge player. And they they specifically wanted this was the cool one and I and I honestly like I was I didn't really want to sell but I also knew I wasn't going to play the deck so that's why I did it's uh, I had a punctuated equilibrium in dis and that was Whoa. one of the decks they bought and I knew they were buying that deck because of that reason oh my gosh oh that's so exciting I can't wait for that deck whatever it is whoever it is to like be at the top table and you'll be like I'm the reason that person is there. Well, I'm I'm just stoked to. I mean, everyone now like it'd be fun to play two punctuated equilibriums in a in a game like that's because I think there's only one per deck, so that is a pretty neat thing. Ooh, yeah, totally. So, like, if you go back to back punctuated equilibriums, like turn after turn, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, absolutely, and especially comboed with uh, some other cards like auto encoder or like anything else that benefits from discarding. Totally. Yeah. So why don't we scoot on over to the um, uh, more news that we got this week, which I think is is some of the more fun and exciting news. Uh, on the GameFound campaign, they released an update that had a ton of information that we've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, I was just like, okay, this is really neat. Seeing the Unchained decks as they were like i really like the way the archon card looks just the the black and white archon with a little bit of maverick color coding and i guess anything that would be an anomaly would appear in the same fashion or a legacy i guess legacy isn't a thing on this so it's only mavericks um i don't know if anomalies exist but if they did i think they do right they showed one at one point anomalies sure yeah being there so i i like that um the look of the back of the card we had a little bit of discussion on this i do like the black and white bordering i do not like the houses not being in color since the token will be in color and the archon card will be in color. I feel it looks a little, um, it just, it's missing. Like it's, you got to go all or none, I think. And with it being just not that as well, it just throws me off a little. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this or you don't know what I'm talking about, head over to the GameFound campaign. And what they have here is what the Unchained decks will look like. So basically they have the the back of the Archon cards for um, different sets because Obviously, the Winds of Exchange set will have a um, token, the token creature on it in the back. And so what we see here is the houses are black and white, and the rest of the back of the card is in color generated like any other Archon, um, Archon card. Um, and personally, I like the black and white. I think it's slick. I think it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And it really does... It, it comes into play in that this is different. Like this is not like anything you've seen before, but you did point out the fact that the, the token and winds of exchange is in color. It kind of, it throws off the back of that unchained card, but it feels um, unbalanced a little bit. Yeah. Like it's another circle in the same place with color in it. And I know it's, it's super helpful that um, it's up there because you, you need that to play a winds of exchange mm-hmm. deck, but I don't know if, um, well, I guess once I have them in my hand, I think I'll, I'll be able to decide how I feel about it. Because the other side of the card, the actual Archon, um, the list of all of the cards in the deck is also black and white. And it doesn't look weird there. That's the key. That's the yeah. reason why I feel that is because 
you know what it could also be is the it's reversed so in that side the circle is black and then the logos are in the relief of white but on the other side it's the other side so it's the circle is white and i think that actually may be the difference maker that is so interesting you make a great point looking between the the mars like the mars face the head being um black in the um on the back of the archon card but then being the opposite being white with a black like background on the other side is that is interesting nice catch yeah and i mean this is also a digital representation when it's physically printed we may feel no kind of way about it once we see it right totally well one also thing i just want to point out before you point out the most exciting part of this is the the list is interesting because it's it's not organized by rarity it's organized by set and in the order of set release so things will be listed top to bottom coda first aoa worlds collide mass mutations dark tidings and then winds of exchange and that's just how they passed appear the test the that doing all sets in a row <laughs> that was so fun yeah that's pretty cool i like that I actually think that's kind of important because although these cards could be in in different like makes sense being in different orders than this, I think like everyone's logical brain puts together cards from a set and like they are subsetted in order. Like all of the coda cards are in numerical order and then all of the like winds of exchange cards are in numerical order. But the the rest of everything being grouped that way like my my brain thinks of like all the coda cards and then thinks of all the the worlds collide cards like all the sets together it makes sense to me Mm -hmm, totally but yes so the absolute most amazing part of these cards that i'm i'm really excited about and i think i think i'll i think i'll just read this um from the uh the game found update they are adding a thank you to each GameFound backer to every deck of Winds of Exchange and Unchained 2022. So what it reads on the card that we're looking at is, thank you, Dominic Kirov. You are a savior of Keyforge. And that that is, he is, he is one of the backers. He's actually, he's an uh, Italian player, I think. He also, he makes Keyforge content. And uh, yeah, so every single deck, so Winds of Exchange and Unchained, will have a name a thank you to a backer of the GameFound campaign on it. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked about that. I think it's just one of those extra things uh, that exists and is uh, a lot of fun. So I, I cannot wait for. Uh, so gonna throw some shade over at Archon's Corner, who uh, invented the format called Shredder, who where they actually like legitimately rip up decks, and uh, as part of the game itself, they have mechanics for it and everything. And like, no, so it it already makes my skin crawl, but. You are actually like that format will be removing somebody's deck from the world. And like one of the things I'm most excited about is if no matter what deck I get, I'm going to look at the name first. Like I'm just so excited to be like, does does this belong to someone I know? Like, should I give it to that person? Like, and also like if in the world out there, there is a deck thanking me, like with my name on it. And how cool would it be to like through extension of like somebody else winning a tournament with a thank you, Sydney Steele, you're a savior of Keyforge. I don't know. I just, I love the concept. I agree. I think it's, it's a, it's a really great concept and I'm, I'm glad they've gone to this level of of creating more memorable aspects to having Keyforge come back. It's a it's a really nice touch for everything. Yeah, for sure. And like this will also increase like the the tradeability and the secondary market for all these decks, I assume that people will try and want to get their hands on decks with their names on it. Totally. So I think the the last 
Last couple of things that they they mentioned in this GameFound update that we can just skim over is uh, so the pledge manager is expected to be up the week that this drops. So this week they they are hoping to have it up and running um, November sometime November seventh through eleventh. So that is actually the the day that you guys are listening to this. So really hope that that happens really soon so that we can start filling out all of our uh, custom deck information. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, I guess we move on to the last part of this episode and the most recent article, which was titled, The Most Common Faces Are the Greatest Rivals. I love this so much. So, mm-hmm. what one of my favorite things about this is that they are describing and spoiling cards just straight up on their website. And they they go into lore and strategy talking about each of these cards. And so like they it just goes to show how much thought they have put behind the creation of each and every one of these cards. And and um so I I know that um we are a mostly a spoiler-free podcast. So I think that um we can stick with the the themes of these two sets. So the cards that they're spoiling in this article are Brobnar and Sanctum cards. And I'm going to uh, point out a line that they uh, they say up here near the top is, we'd like to spill the beans or cards over a series of articles on the most often seen cards, the commons of each house, which means we're going to get more of these articles. So they're going to spoil even more cards as the, um, uh, as like the set drop release nears. And even though like a lot of people are going to be playing with cards this weekend at uh, KFC and might, probably spoil most of the set. I still think that the fact that this has lore and strategy built into this article that I'm I'm excited to read the future articles like this too. One one thing I'm noticing is a pattern here which is a I guess it's a game mechanic sort of is where they they have action cards that if you when you play it you can archive it again. We've seen it periodically occur but it seems to be more in force here which I, I actually really like that aspect of certain cards where it's not in your discard you can get it again if certain conditions are met i kind of like that aspect of the game that's existed in the past i'm glad they're showing more of it now because i think it's really neat absolutely um and i think that one of the things they're doing a good job with these um spoilers is they're also like giving away some of the mechanics that are not necessarily they're not new they're they're kind of returning but in the past new mechanics have been very integral to certain sets and some of those may not have been seen again or added to cards in following sets so like uh one of these brobnar cards having deploy that just lets us know that deploy is going to be a a mechanic that we we might see more of and that has a great ability to affect the battle line for brobnar and then obviously the new mechanic splash attack, which is, I think has actually always existed, but it's been much more wordy. That's the difference. Right. I think they basically took that and made it so it w- they won't need to put a descriptor as the sets move on. It'll just be a thing that you know what that means, which will save card text um, being overly elaborated. For sure. Yeah, they they definitely have made known that one of the things they're going for this set is to like clarify a lot of the wording on the cards and make it easier for people who are co- new to the game to um, understand what's going on. And I actually think that's kind of very important for both Brobnar and Sanctum because yes. fighting is like, it's not really intuitive that your fight effect happens after you survive the fight. And so adding the words before... Uh, or after fight, make it so that that that's much more intuitive. Totally, yeah. 
So um, I think that does it for for this article. And uh, of course, we cannot end an episode without our titular segment. We call this one Help from Future Self. self. Sydney, I understand you have a help from Future Self for us this week. I sure do. So Today has been my my whole day is full of Keyforge. I played my ABR triad match this morning against Julie and shout out to Julie. It was probably the best triad game set of uh, games I have ever played in my entire life because the deck that she brought was a like a, a the bane of TCO prompts because it had an Amphora Captura, but it also had a Curiosaurus. And so oh. It was it was ridiculous. And what was crazy was, so she won the first game with a different deck. And then I won the second game against this deck. And then so I had to play this deck twice. And I, I did I did end up losing. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great game. Um, but I will say like my my actual help from future self is you might want to set up TCO to do prompts the way that you want to do it. And maybe even practice with weird prompts, even if your decks don't have those prompts or your play style is not to use those prompts because something like uh curiosaurus gives the prompts to both sides so that's a, it's an artifact that reads each creature with amber on it gains destroyed move one from this creature to the most powerful enemy creature and i had a my second deck had a lot of destroyed effects but also had a lot of like other other effects in it that that like happened at the same time even though it was just like capturing was crazy and so she ended up winning with a fantastic strategy using M4 Captura but I'm I'm lucky that it didn't it didn't mess me up I just I just knew I didn't know what I was doing going into it and she was so nice to like like help me with the actual like clicking along the way and what I needed to do and think about just so that I could play the actual game correctly. But um, shout out to Julie for a great ABR match and, and congratulations on the win. That's a, that's a very good point. I mean, there's also the funny thing that if people bringing these decks have been utilizing TCO, there is like when you start playing those Amphora, Captura, Curiosaurus decks in basically real life, you're going to be maybe in for a rude awakening because things are not going to automatically happen. So just a little reminder to people, you may want to play those games actually so you can get used to having to manipulate things out of your own accord and not having it auto happen because you might realize that you're not as proficient with the deck in real life because a lot of the stuff that you would normally have to do is being done for you by a computer. It's so funny. We chatted about that afterwards and I was asking her if it would be easier in real life because the prompts wouldn't be an issue. And one of the things that we were talking about was it's it's easier to forget prompts out in real life, you know, like that TCO yeah. doesn't like give you prompts than it is to like get them wrong because it like if you're you're sitting on you're staring at your cards, you're sitting across the table from someone and you're holding the piece of amber, you can take the time you need to to put it in the right place, you know, whereas like mm-hmm. the um the prompt will just let you accidentally click something incorrect and then you can't fix it. And it's crazy too when it's like in the middle of prompting you to do a handful of things like with a board wipe with wards and stuff. So it was it was nuts. Yes. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. And uh, next weekend, Sydney is going to be off at the Keyforge celebration. So I'm sure... Lots of great tales will be coming on the other side of that for the following episode. 
And of course, folks, you can find us through our Discord. It's a link in the show notes if you're not currently a part of it. And you can find myself as Boulevard Blake number sign 3840, as well as I'm doing a lot of content on my YouTube. Sydney, where can people find you? I am, as always, SC Steel on TCO and Discord. Perfect. And until next time, folks, stay forging. Thank <laughs> you.